say good morning and we welcome you in the Saviour's precious name to Hebron. We're going to commence as we worship the Lord by singing together the hymn 672. It's a good missionary hymn. There's a call comes ringing with the restless waves. Send the light. There are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. Send the light. Missionary Council weekend, and we've had special visitors and preachers and missionaries, and we're delighted that Dr. John Douglas is with us, and we're going to ask him to read our psalm for today, and then the Reverend Lyle Boyd, recently retired home from Spain, will lead us to the throne of grace in prayer. Psalm 
Let us all turn then to the Word of God. We're reading in the book of Psalms, as you understand, and it's Psalm 145. I'll give you a little time to turn up the place. Psalm 145. title to the psalm there, you can see, David's Psalm of Praise. The last in the collection in the Psalter, bearing David's name in this way. The psalm itself, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. I'm sure to have noticed there uh, the rather unique way the psalm begins with the double forever and ever. Then if you cast your eye from verse 21, the last verse, there is again the sounding forth of that very note, let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever, putting it simply, that's for all eternity, from eternity to eternity. And then verse 2 uh, puts us on a daily basis as well for our praise. Every day will I bless thee. Verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. A moment ago we were thinking of from eternity to eternity, even every day. Here, there's continuation also. Verse 4, from one, one generation to another. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter in memory of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom, and talk of thy power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts, and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand 
and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord be pleased to bless his precious word this day in the reading of it and also in the preaching of it as well. Amen. Let us all come before the Lord. Let us all unite our hearts in prayer. Let us all seek the Lord's face this morning. Our dear God and most gracious, eternal, heavenly Father, we come into thy presence this morning. Praise God even with boldness, but it's only because of Christ, thy Son. Because we know, Lord, that we of ourselves are not worthy. But we come in the merits of the precious blood of Christ that cleanses us from every sin and stain. O Lord, if you were to mark iniquity, who could stand? Not one of us. But we praise thee, Lord, that the Lord Jesus Christ on that tree shed his precious blood for the cleansing of the vilest sinner so that each one of us, Lord, we can come now and, Lord, with, with, with boldness into thy presence and there to obtain mercy and to find grace in the times of need. And Lord, we would pray even this morning that thou would be in the very midst of us here this morning. O oh God, that we would indeed even feel thy presence. Lord, we would see Jesus. That would be our desire, that we would see thy precious Son, that we'd realize what he has done for us, that we realize the price that was paid. Lord, we know that we can never calculate that price. It is beyond number. It is beyond calculation. But we thank thee that he paid it all. Oh, Lord, we know that sin had left an awful stain. But we praise God, his precious blood cleanses us whiter than the driven snow. And we ask thee, Lord, that thou would cleanse us afresh. Lord, that thou indeed would be with us even this day. That thou would bless every aspect of this meeting. Lord, that thou indeed would be near to each and every heart. Bless each one who would participate. We pray, O oh God, especially for the preacher, that thou indeed would help him. Bless our brother Moffat. We pray, O oh God, that you'd fill him with thy spirit, that he would know, Lord, thy hand upon him. Lord, that he would know even strange liberty. And Lord, that thou would indeed speak through him mightily to each and every heart here. May indeed none leave this place the same as they walked in. But Lord, may we leave knowing that God was here and here to bless. We ask thee, Lord, even 
Lord, as you said in this psalm, if we fall, you will raise us up. And we thank you, Lord, for that. Because we know, Lord, of ourselves, we cannot, Lord, walk with thee. Because we are so bent on descent. Lord, cleanse us afresh. Lord, we pray that if there is some here and they are fallen, Lord, that even this day you would raise them up, that they would walk with thee again, that they would follow thee fully, that they would indeed dedicate their lives completely unto thee, and that you would bless them mightily and use them in the days to come. Lord, even as our brother yesterday was saying, that we're not just saved to write a date down to the day that we got saved, but we're saved to serve thee. And Lord, that we would realize that we're here to spread this news, this wonderful message that is not ours to keep for ourselves, but it is a message that we must tell others, others that are on their way to hell, others that are on their way to a lost eternity. Oh, Father, we ask thee that you'd give us a burden, give us a vision, give us, oh God, a real urgency and need, Lord, to reach these people, because we know, Lord, that there is an awful uh, dearth in our land and we need to tell the people the wonders of thy great salvation, that others too would come and know Christ, to know him as life eternal, as life abundant, as life, Lord, as we never knew it before because we know we were dead in sins and trespasses. But Lord, we praise thee for the new life that there is in Christ Jesus. Oh, Father, we pray that you would bless our brother Park here, as he labors on for thee in this ministry, we thank thee, O God, for what you've done through him, how you've used him in the years gone by. And we pray that you continue to bless and raise up many more in this congregation to preach the word, to go forth, to tell the message of the gospel, that happy news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. O Father, we pray that thou would indeed undertake for every aspect of the ministry here. We thank you, O God, for the Ukrainian folk that have come over. We pray that you'd bless them even as they would meet together and as they would meet even with us, that thou would help them to understand thy word even this morning and that thou would bless them in their own souls and may they be a blessing even to this town in the days to come. We ask thee, Lord, that thou would use them for thy honor and for thy glory. And Lord, that you'd remember their own loved ones, their own families, Maybe, uh, Lord, ones that are even fighting this war, we pray that thou would be with them at this time. Oh God, that thou would put your hand upon this situation, that this war would end very soon. And Lord, that peace again would reign. We know, oh God, that Lord, this world is, is at war with God. And Lord, we know that there is, uh, Lord, others behind the scenes that are urging this war on and even wanting to escalate it more. But, Lord, we pray that their plans would come to naught, that thou indeed would overrule, and that thou would have mercy. And, Lord, bring peace again, we pray. But we know, Lord, we will not experience peace in this world until the Prince of Peace comes. And, Lord, we know that he will set up his reign. And, praise God, he will reign in peace. Oh, Lord, we pray that thou indeed would help us. Meanwhile, we're here fighting this, this battle for thee, that thou would give us strength. Give us strength to withstand the devil and all the imps of hell. And Lord, we praise thee that he will indeed flee from us if we resist him. We ask thee, Lord, that thou would just bless even those who cannot come this morning because maybe of sickness, weakness of body, 
Put your hand upon those, Lord, that are shut in. We pray, O oh God, that you be with them and that thou would bless them. Bless the folk that are looking after them. Undertake for them, Lord. And for those that maybe are, uh, Lord, sorrowing this day, the loss of a loved one, Lord, that you put your hand upon them, that they would know that presence that indeed makes the feast. O oh God, that thou indeed would draw especially near, that thou would richly bless them. And bless thy word, Lord, as it goes forth right across this little nation of Ulster. We pray, O God, that you'd be with each and every man of God that would mount the pulpit steps. May you know thy hand upon it. And for those, Lord, who have gone foreign fields, we thank you, Lord, for Brother Alejandro there in Corticus Nuevos. We thank the Lord for the word that has gone forth this morning. We pray, O God, that you'd bless it. And that you'd bless the folk there. Undertake the folk in Kenya, Uganda, Liberia. Uh, Lord, we pray for the folk in Nepal, that thou would be with them there, and that thou would bless all those churches, and that you'd undertake for the folk in Australia and Tasmania, undertake for the folk over there in, in the United States and Canada, in South America. Lord, wherever thy people are met together and across in the mainland in Britain, Lord, how discouraging the work can be at times. Lord, we see that even this land that has been so blessed in days gone by with revival blessing, today we see such a dearth. We see such even hostility against the gospel. We know the devil is out to destroy this message. He's out to fight against the family and everything that is good. But Lord, we pray that thou would help thy people to stand firm, to raise up an Ebenezer. There is their, their banner on high to say hitherto the Lord helped us. And Lord, we pray that thou indeed would stand. Lord, help the people to stand against this wave of iniquity in our land and in our world this, this day. Lord, that we indeed would be firm, that we would not fear what man would do against us, but Lord, that we would indeed speak the word in truth and in mercy to open their eyes to this truth, that they would come to know this wonderful message. The message that really makes them free because him who the Lord makes free is free indeed. And so, Lord, we pray that thou would richly bless thy people this day. And even if there's one here unsaved, still rebelling against this message, still wanting their own sin, Lord, show them their latter end. Oh, God, show them the road that they're taking. And, Lord, where it will lead to. And, Lord, we pray that in mercy you would open their eyes to the truth. And that they would bring them, O Lord, with the cords of love unto thyself even this day. So be with us, we pray, and bless us this morning. May we know thy hand upon us for good. All these things we pray in, in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, brethren, for taking part. Uh, Ukraine has been very much upon our minds in these days, and... On Friday night at the Missionary Weekend, we gave that night over to thinking about our brethren and sisters who have come here. Uh, a number of them are with us this morning, and we're going to ask them if they will come and sing, minister just now in song. Thank you.
Thank you very much, brethren and sisters. I, I think they're missing some of the ladies, and uh, but we enjoyed that. I forgot to ask them what the words were in English so that you could see it and get the benefit of the English, but thank you for ministering in song. We are delighted to have a report on the Indian Orphan Project that was commenced about two and a half years ago, and Dupankar Nandi from India is going to make this report, and he has sent this video. We're going to try and do a live link up, but the internet is very unstable at the present time, so we look forward now to listening to our brother. Dear friends in the Lord, uh, greeting to you in the Savior's name. Uh, my name is Dipankar, and uh, I've been asked by the Reverend David Park to give you a brief report on the Orphans Project in India. I thank him for this opportunity. And I count it joy to be able to share it with you. Uh, as you know, this project began approximately two and a half years ago with the mission board supporting 70 orphan children with groceries on a monthly basis. Uh, this count increased to 90 orphan children the next year. And uh, praise be to God, from then to present, uh, the Lord has sustained this help through the power of His grace. 
these uh, orphaned children are scattered across 53 villages in the state of Orissa, which is located in the uh, eastern part of India. Uh, at the inception of this uh, project, we had only four young men who used to help us in getting the grocery packets to the orphans. And uh, they would take approximately 10 to 12 days to finish one round of distribution. But I'm happy to share with you that now, in the Lord's providence, this team of volunteers has increased to 10 individuals. And because of that, our volunteers now take only five to seven days uh, to deliver the packets. Uh, I'm also happy to tell you that the condition of the roads in the rural areas of Orissa has improved, uh, which has worked to our advantage. The team now does not need to walk long distances to deliver the packages. They can access most of these villages now on their bikes. Uh, furthermore, in the beginning, some of our volunteers, because of their faith in the Lord, uh, were facing prejudice uh, from the other villages. But I have been told that things are now gradually changing and our volunteers are now allowed to enter some villages which otherwise would not have been accessible to them in the past. We attribute this change in the village's attitude towards our volunteers to the grace of our Lord. And considering the change in situation, our team is thinking that next year they will add some more villages which were not in the list earlier. Please pray for wisdom for the team. Uh, I am also del delighted to share with you a very encouraging development that has occurred over the last few months. Despite various challenges that cannot be mentioned in this video, our volunteers under the care of the Lord and the supervision of some committed brethren are able to gather a few people in some of these villages on a weekly basis to pray and study the Word of God. I know this new development does not only mean a lot to us, but to you as well, since you all have been praying for this work in India. My dear friends, I have many more things to say, but everything cannot be said in this video. You know what I mean. I, I would just like to end this report by saying that please continue to pray for us and for this work, and the Lord would continue to add people to His church, those who are being saved. Thank you very much for your prayers and for your practical support. God bless. Appreciate our brother taking time to do that for us. I'm going to make the announcements, and I'm going to do it as quickly as possible for sake of time, but we do bid you welcome in the Savior's name to the congregation to our visitors from the Missionary Council weekend, to the guest preachers, missionaries that are here, welcome in the Savior's precious name. Those that are listening in on the internet, we bid them a very warm word of welcome. Also, because this is the Missionary Council weekend, I want to mention that we have 
Before my time, our brother, Mr. George McConnell, and we're delighted that he has been here this weekend. He was the former uh, chairman before me, and we have the new man, and he's going to speak to us in a wee moment or two, Eric. Uh, we look forward to that, brother, and we wish you well. Refreshments will be served uh, tonight after the meeting. Do remember the meeting is at 7 o'clock tonight, uh, the gospel service, and the ladies have been asked to bring just something with you to help out with that. Uh, biscuits, buns, scones, or pancakes, whatever you're able to do. Tuesday night is Youth Challenge at 7. Thursday night is the midweek service, and we want to do something similar to what we did on Friday night. You, most of you were not there, but there is a story to tell of our brethren and sisters coming to Balamani. We've collated that, we've brought it together in, uh, in a timeline, and we want to do that on Thursday night with you. It's our missionary. Uh, prayer meeting and Pastor Valentine, he will give his testimony also. Friday night is the Youth Fellowship at 8 o'clock. It's the final one and I've been asked young people to say to you that uh, it's going to start at 8 o'clock with a barbecue. So you're going to get something to eat first and then you will have your meeting thereafter. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting at 8 o'clock. Our Sabbath school, 10.30, Bible class at a quarter to 11 and Phyllis dealing these days with the backslider reaching for the road of recovery. Worship service 12 noon and I will bring the second part of the message from last Lord's Day morning. Gospel meeting at 7 o'clock in the will of God preceded by the time of prayer at 6.30. We thank you sincerely for your tithes and your offerings to God's work. Today is Missionary Council and School Covenant and next week the Home Mission Outreach. Just to mention one more time uh, to you because it's coming up now very soon, Friday week, the Hebron Church Christmas dinner. That will be in the Macraboy House. Uh, most names are there now. I think there's over 150 going. Just to say to our young people, uh, we have done this in the past, but you only have to pay half price. All the members of the Youth Fellowship, just half price for you. And the seniors, of course, they go free. Remember the Let the Bible Speak calendars, they're available as the 50th anniversary issue. Special announcement to do with the Covenanters trip. It will be from Monday the 8th to Friday the 12th of May, going to the land of revival, the island of Lewis. And this will be a very good trip. But there's only one coach that's going, and when that coach is filled, that's it. So do see Mervyn or Christine, there's application forms uh, available. Remember Alex Moffat, we've been praying for Alex, he, he took ill this week, the past week, and he's still in hospital, the oxygen levels were low, and he has a very serious infection, chest infection, and also uh, a blood infection, and they're still working on that. It was good news this morning that they were easing him off the oxygen, and we're glad that the Lord is answering prayer, but please continue to remember Alex before the Lord and the others that we are remembering day by day, and everything to do with our folks in the land of Ukraine. Very quickly, we had a tremendous meeting last Lord's evening. It was our remembrance service. We had many, many visitors in, and it was a great opportunity to present the gospel to so many that don't normally attend the house of God. We also had a tremendous night on Tuesday night at the children's meeting. We had a special pizza night, and over 100 children came and listen to the word of God. You pray for them that the Lord will bless them. And this was the senior end out here as they met on Friday as well. Thursday night, 
was a night that we prayed for these two ladies going back to Ukraine. We had 41, now we have 39, and Lena and her daughter Sveta have returned and they've got back safely. So please pray for them as they seek to settle in again to their native land, that the Lord will bless them and protect them in these days. That was them just in the final day leaving our home, for they were with us for the past five or six months or so. Some of you were involved in getting this pallet to Romania. It arrived safely, and this is now the distribution of it. Uh, there's a pastor that's looking after that. And you remember this poor family, they were helped with a chicken coop, and that operation took place last week. And we were able to have a live link up. Lucci came in to do the interpreting, and this is Stefan, the father of the children. And uh, we had a live link up just to see everything that was going on. We've had a great weekend at the Macro Boy with the Missionary Council. Just a few of the slides. Uh, tremendous meeting last night. Eric uh, taking part, her brother Lyle Boyd. Uh, Samuel came over to give a report. We had a testimony from our sister Glenda. Uh, no, that's Rebecca singing, all right. And then this is Glenda testifying. And Dr. John Douglas brought a tremendous word. And we were all greatly challenged by it. And just this morning from the Philippines, it's their 16th anniversary today, and the Reverend Ebenezer Nombre, they had this time uh, together with the church and sent uh, some photographs to me. Just maybe to finish, to say something very special happened yesterday, and that is Yuri got married. This is Tanya's only brother. This is the young man that turned 25 just a few months ago. He is in the army in Ukraine. He's fighting on the front line. And so a very special day for him as he got married. Please continue to pray for his safety and those that serve with him. I'm going to ask our young people to come and sing a piece for us just now, our youth fellowship members. Thank you. And then after that, the, the new chairman of the mission board, Mr. Eric Graham, will bring greetings.
And I'd like to welcome everyone joining us for this special worship service today. And a very special thanks to the session of committee of Hebron Free Presbyterian Church for permitting us to participate in their service. And for the services of their minister, the Reverend Park, as the chairman of our missionary council for the past 10 years. This has been very much appreciated. We have a good missionary family in our denomination for which we thank the Lord. And the missionary council has traditionally been the body that raised awareness of the needs of our missionaries through the local congregations and their financial support on the ground. And when someone feels called to missionary work, they're required to raise uh, 70% of their support. And the missionary council then contributes the remaining 30% before they can go to their calling. When emergencies arise and needs become known, our members have not been found wanting in arranging fundraising activities. And I thank you all in the Lord's name for your effort and for your enthusiasm in this department. The mission board is the body that administers the funds to our missionaries and is in charge of the day-to-day administration of our missionary operations on the different fields of service. Both bodies work together in perfect harmony to the glory of God and the support of our missionaries for which we thank the Lord. I count it a great honour to be appointed as chairman of the Missionary Council as the replacement for the Reverend Park who has served his maximum term. I would like to pay tribute to Mrs. Park and the family for their support to him during this time of chairmanship and for the sacrifices that they have made for this great cause. Please pray for me as the Missionary Council Chairman as we endeavour to support our missionaries at home and abroad in the days ahead for the glory of the Lord. The Missionary Council is not only a body going through changes at this time, but I'm sure you're aware that our mission board has undergone changes. The Reverend Park has served his maximum term on the mission board. He's been a great chairman and has seen a great work done for the Lord. The Reverend Colin Mercer, the minister of Aroma Congregation, has been appointed as the chairman of our mission board. And he apologizes for being unable to be with us today for obvious reasons. He's otherwise engaged. So I'm going to read out a short statement now from him. Dear Reverend Park, Eric Graham, and members of our missionary council, I'm sorry that I have been unable to be with you this weekend. However, I trust that you have known the Lord's presence and therefore his blessing. The missionary council occupies an important place in the work and ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church working as it does alongside the mission board. For years, the council has supported the board by increasing awareness of our missionary endeavor and by its faithful financial assistance. It plays a vital role in bringing reports that are in turn passed to our various congregations, thus informing the whole denomination on the progress on both the home and foreign mission fields. I express my thanks to the Reverend Park for his years of service, just recently concluded as chairman, his interest in and love for missionary work is well known. And I trust that he will continue to offer valuable help as the Lord leads him in the future. He has led the work for the past 10 years and I trust that he will continue to see much fruit for his labor. I have no doubt that Mr. Graham will be a great asset 
as the new chairman, and I assure him of my prayers for him as he commences this aspect of his service in Christ's kingdom. To all the members of the Missionary Council, a sincere thank you on behalf of the Mission Board. I want you to know that we appreciate the time and energy you give to this work, and I trust that as you go forward in 2023, as the Lord leads, that you will know even greater fellowship and blessing than ever before. May our covenant-keeping God bless your fellowship today and your service in the days to come. Every blessing in Christ. Colin Mercer, Mission Board Chairman, Psalm 126. Thank you very much for your attention. Please pray for the Missionary Council and the Mission Board and uphold our missionaries daily before the Lord in prayer. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Graham. Thank you for your kind words and for the Reverend Mercer also. Um, we've worked as a team. We, we've already said these things to the council personally. We thank every member. Thank John for all his encouragement as the secretary and of course Rosemary as our treasurer. They do a sterling work. And Eric, we wish you well uh, for your future as you take up the role as missionary council. May God endow you with wisdom, grace, and mighty power. We're going to sing just one verse of our hymn at this stage, 515, before the Reverend Moffat comes and brings the message, Is your life a channel of blessing? Is the love of God flowing through you? to be able to welcome my son-in-law to the pulpit today, Reverend Joshua Moffat, the Minister of Bangor, and one of our latest additions to the Mission Board. Traveling home this morning uh, to the manse, we had our grandchildren with us, the, the three boys, and one of them remarked that uh, Josh Moffat and me were the two greatest preachers in the world. And uh, then very, very quick to include Dr. Douglas as well uh, in, in that as well. So. Uh, obviously, they haven't got out much and they haven't had the opportunity to hear too many, but there you go. Joshua is a great preacher, and he's a man that is God's anointing, and we pray that God will bless him now as he brings the message for today. Well, good afternoon. There's the Bangor ones are definitely in. 
I always say good afternoon. It's good to be here. It's good to be back in Balamone. It's a joy to be here. Always mixed emotions coming to Balamone because I love to be back among friends and family. And yet there's the nerves as well of preaching in front of friends and family. But it's a joy to be here. And we trust the Lord will be with us here this morning. John chapter 4 is our Bible reading. John chapter 4. A number of weeks ago, I was preaching at a meeting. The Reverend Park was at it. And uh, I was preaching away on the life of Samson, and afterward I sat down beside my father-in-law, and uh, it was after the meeting, he leant across, and I thought, oh, maybe, maybe there would be some word of encouragement here. And he says, Josh, you can't preach as long as that when you come to Balamone. And so I have to be short today. I'm very aware that your carrots and parsnips will be getting cold, and uh, I don't want to hold anyone back from their dinner. But the Lord has laid a message on my heart whenever I was asked to come and preach, and straight away the Lord gave me a verse uh, and that is the verse that I'm going to be preaching on today. Um, as the weeks uh, led up to the missionary weekend, this verse burned itself into my heart, and I'm looking forward to preaching that verse today. John chapter 4, you'll know the passage well. I'm not really going to give much of an introduction to the passage. I want to get straight into the preaching. But I want us to think about the Messiah and his mission field. The Messiah and his mission field. You'll know how John 4 begins. He goes, it says he must needs, verse 4, go through Samaria. He meets the Samaritan woman at the well, and he begins to talk with her, begins to counsel her. Really, that passage is all about missionary work, how the Lord went out, and he sought to reach one that was far off from Jesus Christ. That's what a missionary does. But I want to pick up the reading at the verse uh, 28. Let's read the verse 28. Christ has witnessed to this woman. She's understood that he is that promised son of God, the one who's come from heaven to save the souls of men. And whenever she discovers that, we read that the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meantime, while his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. And both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. Amen. We'll end the reading midway through verse 39. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading to our hearts this morning. That's a powerful verse, verse number 35. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. I know that verse has been used by your pastor here over the years on all missionary literature. But it's a powerful challenge that the fields are white, teeming and ready to harvest. And the Lord has really put on my mind to preach today the subject, the Messiah, and 
his mission field. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord for his blessing on our message here today. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we do thank thee and praise thee for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank thee for the mission field of the Messiah. Lord, we rejoice to hear of Depanker and all that's going on out there in India. Lord, we uh, rejoice to hear from our brother David of the things going on in Uganda and from Lyle and Spain. And Lord, we pray for the missionary cause of our denomination, that Lord, you would singularly bless it. Lord, we pray that this year and the year incoming, there would be a great forward step taken on that mission field. Lord, let us take ground for Christ. Lord, we don't simply want to retain what we have. Lord, we want to grow. We want to take more ground. We want to plant more churches. And Heavenly Father, we pray that thou wouldst give grace on the mission field. Lord, be with us here today. Give us help in the preaching of the word. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And Lord, for both a preacher and congregation, we pray that thou wouldst have a word in season for each and every one of our hearts. Lord, do be with us now, we pray. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John 4 is really all about missionary work. As I've said, Christ goes to Samaria to reach this Samaritan woman. And whenever I was asked to preach at the missionary weekend, this was the text that was on my mind. I want to apologize to the Bangor people. I think they should be considered for a 10% discount on their bill for this weekend. They were coming away for a holiday, and now they're stuck listening to me this morning. Uh, they're hardly getting a fair deal. Uh, but the Lord planted this verse on my heart. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And really when we read this passage, certainly when we read that verse, there are so many lessons we can learn regarding the mission field of the Messiah. The first lesson that we need to learn, and we're going to learn four, is the love Christ has for the mission field. The love Christ has for the mission field. Because we read here that the disciples in verse 31 are trying to get Christ to eat, but they can't pull Christ away from reaching the souls of men. I know we're all looking for our dinner today, but you know, Christ put the reaching of souls first. He loved reaching souls. And Christ has a love for the foreign mission field. You know, D.L. Moody loved the mission field. It's said that D.L. Moody made a covenant with God that he would not go to bed at night until he had spoken to at least one soul about their need for a Savior. So great was his love for reaching the lost. You know, we read of Jim Elliot, that missionary that went out to the Orca, that missionary that took his life in his hands. You might say, Jim, why did you go? Because he had a love for Christ. And he had a love for the lost souls of men that were perishing and that were dying in sin. You might say, what drove men like William Carey? What drove men like David Brainerd? What drove men like C.T. Studd? What drove the ladies like Gladys Aylward, like Mary Slessor, like Elizabeth Elliot? What drove them to give up all, to surrender all, and to go out to the mission field? It was a love for Christ and a love for his work. A love for who the Savior was. In fact, it was said of Amy Carmichael, that young girl from Malaya who went out on the mission field. You know, whenever all those little girls were coming to her for help and for refuge and for safety, they were asked, what draws you to Amy Carmichael? The reply of those little girls was simply this. It is love. Amma, that was their word for mother. Amma loves us. She went out to the mission field because she loved the mission field. You know, I was reading just recently of David Livingston, 
you can get a biography on David Livingston, do and read it. What a man of God that he was. David Livingston spent 33 years of his life on the foreign mission field in Africa. Very early into his mission, his wife passed away. His eyesight began to go. He didn't enjoy good health right throughout his tenure on the mission field. When he started his trek across Africa, he brought 73 books with him. And yet for the team in that expedition, those books were very heavy. And one by one, they got left behind as he went through Africa. And soon all he had left was his Bible, one man and his Bible. And yet he blazed a trail for the Lord Jesus Christ right through Africa and saw many souls won for Christ. Do you know something interesting happened with David Livingston? Whenever he died, his body was brought home. He was buried in the family church. Everything seemed to be normal. But there was one strange thing about his funeral. And that was that his heart was not buried. Rather, his heart was left in Africa. And it was buried under a tree in the village which he had so often witnessed to because David Livingston left his heart in Africa. So great was the love that he had for the mission field of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm very aware as I come to Balamone, this is a congregation that has a love for the mission field. The presence of our Ukrainian brethren here is a testament to that. You have a love for the mission field. I know that you who are here on the missionary weekend, you obviously have a love for the missionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ, or you wouldn't be here. But I want to make this much clear. The love that we may have for Christ's mission field pales in comparison to the love Jesus Christ himself has for his mission field. Nobody loves the mission field of this world like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why at this point I've said the love Christ has for his mission field, not had. Christ's love for his mission field has never gone away. This event with this woman was 2,000 years ago. And he loved to go out and to reach her and to teach her about salvation full and free. But friends, listen, Jesus Christ still loves to save souls. He still loves to reach the lost. He still loves to save those who were bound in darkest night. Christ still has a love for the work of the mission field. And so should we as his people. And there's three things about that love that I want you to recognize this morning. Firstly, reaching souls is his passion. Reaching souls is his passion. We read in verse number four, Christ must needs go through Samaria. He had to do this. He had to go into that city. You might say, why? Why Why was Christ so compelled to go and to go into Samaria? Because Jesus has a passion to save the lost. He has that zeal to save the dying, to show mercy and grace to them that are bound in sin. My friend, listen, if you're here, and you're not saved, what a comfort that is to you. Jesus Christ is nothing but love and zeal and grace for you. Oh, come to him that you might receive his mercy. But we read here, Jesus is teaching us nothing is as near and dear to the heart of Jesus Christ than winning a world of sinners to himself. Nothing is as near and dear to the heart of Christ than saving sinners. Jesus has a passion for the prodigal. He has forgiveness for the fallen. He has grace for the guilty. He's love for the lost. And you know, Jesus Christ and his passion for missionary work is something we read all from Genesis to Revelation. Do you know one of the first promises, one of the great promises made in Scripture was a missionary promise? 
You'll remember Genesis 22 and the verse 18, and God promises to Abraham, in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. What a missionary promise that was. Do you know whenever Christ came into the world, and we're thinking about Christmas here in the next coming months, I'm sure some of you are buying the presents already. Don't get me anything too big. But you'll be thinking about the Lord Jesus coming into this world. And you know, whenever the Lord Jesus came, the first sermon that was preached, the first message that was heralded was a missionary message. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the first disciple he called, became a missionary? That was Andrew. Andrew was sent out as a missionary. Every time we read of Andrew, he's bringing the lost to the Lord Jesus Christ. The first command that the risen Jesus gave after he had risen again from the dead was a missionary challenge. John 20 and the verse 20 says the disciples were glad when they saw Jesus. But verse 21 says this, even as my father hath sent me, so send I you. You'll know the Savior's departing words as he went to glory, that great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. In fact, the very last glimpse he gives us of heaven as he closes off the book of the Revelation is a great innumerable throng of which no man could number of every tongue and every tribe and every people and every nation standing before the throne of God crying, worthy is the Lamb. From Genesis to Revelation, Christ makes it clear he is a passion, he is a love for the souls of men across this world. Reaching souls is Christ's passion. I wonder, is it ours? Missionary work is loved by him. Is it loved by us, really and truly? Because I can tell you this, child of God, we're never more like Christ than when we fall in love with the work of the mission field. We're never more like Christ when we have a love and a passion for the souls, the dying souls of lost men and women. Christ had a passion for the mission field. He also, uh, reaching souls was his priority. Reaching souls was his priority. You see, in verse 31, the disciples come and they interrupt this counseling session that the Lord Jesus Christ is engaged in. Jesus is on the mission field, and now the disciples are disturbing him. Verse 31, they said, Master, eat. They're trying to get Christ to come aside. He, he hasn't had lunch that day. That ought to speak to us all. How the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Those other things can wait. Those other things about my temporal needs, they can be put off because the priority, the number one issue is reaching souls for the Lord Jesus Christ. Missionary work was first and foremost in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus didn't see missionary work as a side issue? He saw it as the issue. He saw it as the objective. He saw it as the goal of the church. It was a priority for him. And it ought to be a priority for us as well. It was very easy, and I can say this as a pastor, and I'm sure you can say it as a congregation, when we see the darkness that the world is in right now, we can become very insular. And we just look after ourselves. And we say, well, if we can get uh, people in seats, if we can get so many into our children's meeting, if we can get so many into Sunday school, and we see a visitor every now and then, and the church is ticking over, sure, we're doing our part, and everything's okay. And we become so insular, and we forget to look outward. So quickly, missionary work can become an afterthought. I was reading this week of a, of a shepherd he lived in the 4th century, 380 AD, and he was called Simeon the Shepherd. 
And this man, Simeon, he looked all around him in his day and generation, and he saw how wicked and how fallen the world was, and he had a desire to be apart from that and to be above it all, above, above it literally. Because what he did was he built a big 60-foot pillar and a big ladder up that pillar, and up he climbed, and he built a platform on top of that pillar and a railing around it so he wouldn't roll off, and he lived the rest of his life on top of that 60-foot pillar away from the world, away from the darkness, away from the sin all around him. For 30 years, he lived up in that little crow's nest, never coming down. You know, we could say that his life was separated and his life was dedicated. But as far as the cause of Jesus Christ goes, it was a life wasted. It was a life wasted. Oh, Simeon, yes, he, he was saved and he loved the Lord, but he had no desire to tell those around him of Jesus Christ, mighty the same. He had no desire to reach souls with the good news of the gospel. Simeon had no impact on his community. He had no impact on the mission field of the Lord Jesus. He had no interest in preaching to the lost. As long as he was okay and his needs were met, he was happy. You know, child of God, missionary work was not his priority. I wonder sometimes if the spirit of Simeon is still alive in many of God's people today. As long as we're okay, as long as our churches are okay, never worry about the mission field. I ask, have you the priority of Simeon or have you the priority of the Savior? Because Jesus Christ had that burning zeal for the mission field of this world. Friend, have you, do you share that with the Lord? What's your priority today? Is it yourself, or is it the souls of dying men around you? Reaching souls was also his purpose. David Livingston, he said, God had one son, and he made him a missionary. Jesus Christ came into this world, why? 1 Timothy 1.15, to save sinners. Jesus Christ came into this world as the greatest missionary that there has ever been. He came to reach souls. And you can't separate the work of the Messiah from the work of the mission field. You know, child of God, Christ, he had a purpose. And that was to reach the lost. Do you know if you're saved today, you're saved for a purpose? God hasn't saved you to be an ornament. He's saved you to be an instrument. God hasn't saved you to put you in the trophy cabinet. He saved you to put you in the toolbox and to be used in speaking to men and women of their need of Christ. My friend, listen, you are saved to serve Jesus. I wonder what are you doing? God has a purpose for you. If you're not in the mission field, if you're not unsaved, then you are a missionary to this world. Mission work was so on the heart of Christ. I wonder, is it on your heart today? And so I see the love Christ has for his mission field. I also see the look Christ commands for his mission field. Because if you look at verse 35, there you'll read three times the Lord tells his people to look. Behold, he says, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look. 350 years ago, there was a ship of travelers that sailed right across the Atlantic over to the northeastern coast of America. In the first year, they established a town, a community. In the second year, they elected a town government. In the third year, the government decided they were going to build a road five miles westward into the middle of America. In the fourth year, that town impeached their government. Because why would you build a road five miles into the wilderness where nobody wanted to go? You see, it was only a short amount of time 
before their people lost their vision. Oh, they had a vision at a time. They had a vision that brought them right across the ocean. They had a vision that brought them from the shores of England all the way over to the shores of America. Oh, they had a vision at a time. And yet so quickly, they had lost their vision. They had lost sight. They had lost that pioneering vision. And they weren't able to see even five miles up the road anymore. You know, that can happen to the church of Jesus Christ. We can lose the vision that we ought to have for the foreign mission field. Very quickly, we can build our churches. We can get our congregations. We can get into the, uh, the flow and the motions of normal church life. And very quickly, we lose the vision. Do you remember Christ has not called us to get comfy? He's called us to get going. He hasn't called us to get comfortable. He's called us to get reaching. The Word of God says where there's no vision, the people perish. And we as children of God need to have a vision for the lost of uh, this world. You see, the disciples' vision was all wrong. We read about that here. The disciples, they were too busy worrying about the passing things of time. Their eyes were on the, the horizontal plane and not on the vertical plane. They were so caught up in their own little worlds, they forgot about the world of lost sinners all around them. And Jesus, he has to correct their vision. He has to command them to look. He wants them to see the world through the eyes of the Savior. And I want us to think about that command to look. Firstly, it's a personal command. Look at what he says. Lift up your eyes. Notice that pronoun. Lift up your eyes. Jesus sees it as it is. The problem is with his people. The people weren't looking. Jesus needed them to see things how he saw things. He didn't want to just tell them about it. He wanted them to see it, to understand it for themselves, to take it in. Child of God, I wonder, do you have a vision for the lost souls of men? Do you have a vision for the lost of Balamoni? Do you have a vision for the lost of the surrounding area all around us? Who's going to tell them? So often we can be like those disciples, running after this and that, running after our own needs, running after our own little worlds, and we forget that on our doorstep there's a mission field. There's a mission field in your road. There's a mission field in your workplace. Young people, there's a mission field even in your school. And I wonder, how do you view the people that you'll brush shoulders with tomorrow? Do you just view them as names? Do you just view them as people you brush shoulders with? Or do you view them as lost sinners on the broad road that leads to hell? Do you see people as Christ sees them? People who need to hear the good news of the gospel. Do you realize that you're a missionary? Oh, friend, how we need to lift up our eyes and have our vision corrected. That's a personal command. Each of us needs to have our vision corrected. It's also a pressing command. He says, lift up your eyes. And really, in the Greek, I know there's a few Bible students here, and you could probably put me right. But in the Greek, it's in the aorist imperative, which means it demands an answer right now. Lift up your eyes now. Look now on the field. It's something that we can't delay on. Do you know this, friends? The work of the gospel, the work of spreading the good news of Christ is the most urgent and pressing need this world has. The most urgent and pressing need is the spread of the gospel across the world. That's why Jesus repeats himself three times. Behold, lift up your eyes. Look, we can't waste time here. There's no work as pressing, no need as urgent. And for God's people to realize that there are a great number of souls passing into endless night who have never heard of Jesus Christ. 
Robert Wilder, he was a missionary. He was a missionary to India. He worked often with D.L. Moody. But he was once called to, to, to give a class, to give a lecture on missionary work and to call young men into the missionary service. Do you know what he did? He, he brought a metronome, one of those ticking things you'll see on a piano that ticks the time for the piece that you're playing. He brought a metronome. And he timed it to tick every time a soul in India went out into eternity. And over that lecture, as that tick, 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 tick went on, the reality of how many souls had passed out into endless night gripped his audience. In fact, there was one missionary there, Zwemer, and he went out to be a missionary in the foreign field. You know, child of God, every day, 183,000 people pass from this scene of time. To break that down for you, that's roughly 7,000 people every hour. That's roughly 128 people every minute. Roughly two people every second. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to reach them? Who's going to tell them that there is a Savior? There is a Jesus. There's one who can wash all their sin away through his precious blood that he shed at Calvary. What are we doing for a world that's dying in sin? Do we have that vision Jesus had? It's a pressing command. It's also a propelling command. Because look at what they see whenever they do look on the mission field. Lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white already to harvest. That barley, that green, whenever it's ripe, whenever it's due to be reaped, it turns white. And here the Lord says, when you look on the mission field, what you're going to find is that the mission field is ripe for the taking. It's ripe for the harvesting. The harvest God has prepared in this world is, is ripe. He has prepared the way. He has paved the way. And all these disciples had to do, according to Christ, was go. Christ was promising them success. Go. And the harvest will be brought in. What a motivation that would propel them into the work of God. The harvest, we read in Scripture, is plenteous. But it's not only plenteous, it's primed. It's ready for the taking. Child of God, what is true in the days of Jesus Christ is no less true today. God has a harvest in this world. He's a harvest in Balamoni. He has a harvest in Bangor. He has a harvest in India. He has a harvest in Iran. And the harvest is ready. He's ready to save souls today. He's ready to win the loss today. He's ready to bring revival today. That verse in Romans says, how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? Who's going to go? Who's going to tell a world of waiting sinners of Jesus mighty to save? Will you pray that God will raise up men and women to go and to reach the lost with the sound of the gospel? Will you financially support them who go in your stead? David Livingston when he was speaking to another missionary, Robert Moffat. Robert Moffat had been over in Africa for some time. And he told David Livingston of what he had seen. He says, in the morning when I woke up, I saw the smoke of a thousand African villages where no missionary had ever been. And that vision propelled Livingston. He thought, I must reach them. I must do something for Christ. Child of God, what are you doing? Are you financially supporting our missionaries? Are you praying earnestly for our missionaries? Tell me, congregation, will you go to be a missionary? Will you go and reach souls, not only on the foreign field, but here at home as well? Because I see also the labor Christ wants for the mission field. 
the labor Christ wants. You see, after showing the love that he has and the look that he wants, he begins to talk in verse 36 of laborers. He speaks of reapers. You know, Romans 10, 14, that verse we quoted, it says, how will they hear without a preacher? It's an extraordinary fact that God does his extraordinary work through ordinary people, such as you and such as me. He takes them, he equips them, and he sends them out. And as we speak of laborers, I want very quickly and very briefly, I'm aware, time's passing, to turn you to Luke chapter 10 and the verse number 2. Luke chapter 10 and the verse number 2. Just very briefly, as we think of laborers and the harvest field, this is a verse that needs to be much on our heart, because what this passage reveals is the problem with the labor. The problem with the labor in the mission field. Because Luke chapter 10 and the verse number 2, it says this. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Do you know this? The greatest hindrance to the spread of the gospel in the world is not unrepentant sinners. It is not unreachable nations. It's unwilling believers unwilling believers. That's the greatest hindrance to the mission field. What does the mission field need? It needs missionaries. It needs missionaries. It needs people to go and to see the lost one for Christ. I know this much about the cause of Christ, and I say it with respect and reverence to each and every one of us. God has no need of more spectators. He needs workers. What God needs today is workers, those who will pray, those who will go, those who will seek to do what they can for Him. There's been enough spectators through the ages. I don't want to be just another spectator on the sidelines. My friend, are you involved in the work of God? You might not have known that call to go out to Uganda, to Nepal, and to reach the lost, but my friend, we're to seek to reach the lost around us. We're to seek to support those that do. When was the last time you labored for the Lord? When was the last time you shared with your work friends, with your family, with your children, their need of salvation, the goodness of God in Jesus Christ? The hearts of sinners are no problem to God. We read that He can break them by His Word. We read that He can change them. In Ezekiel, my friend, really the problem is with the heart of God's people, not the heart of the unsaved. What could you do? Could you be doing more for the mission field and the cause of Christ? But not only do I see the problem in the mission field, I see the prayer concerning the labor of the mission field. The Lord says, pray ye therefore. Pray ye therefore. There's the answer to the problem. With your prayers and with your bounties, you can do what God demands. You can be like faithful arm, holding up the prophet's hands. Child of God, just as essential as the missionary on the foreign field is the Christian on his knees. Just as essential as the missionary on the field is the believer on his knees. The missionary on the field needs a believer in the closet. God has said, when we pray, he will send. I wonder will you take time this week, even today, to pray specifically for the cause of Christ in this world. It's been said, prayer moves the hand that moves the universe. Friend, will you pray this week? that God would send forth laborers into his harvest. And then coming back to John 4, I see the people for the laboring. Because I find in verse 38, here's what God says, I sent you. I sent you. You know why we all need to be missionaries? We do need to pray that God will raise up those special individuals. 
to go out into full-time service, to yield their life to the cause of Christ, and to go out to train through our college, to go out and to be a missionary on the mission field. I sent you, the Lord says, to reap. Those are striking words. You know, one of the reasons I love coming to Balamoni is to see the young people here. I wonder, young people, as you read those words, I sent you. Has the Lord been working in your heart? Has the Lord been stirring your heart? Has the Lord been leading you towards going into his service? My friends, listen to those words again. Jesus says to his disciples, his failing disciples, his fickle disciples, his disciples with so much weakness and so much frailty, he says, I sent you to go out and to do my work. Young people, older person, will you deny his invitation to go? Will you deny his command over your life? My friend, don't neglect the speaking voice of God. He is calling. He is sending. Don't deny his voice, but go and cry, here I am. Send me. And then as I close, I'm very aware I'm over my time. I want to think of the laurels Christ bestows in his mission field. It's one of our hymns. It says, so send I you to labor unrewarded. You know, that's really not the case. There is a reward for them that do their part. God is no man's debtor. And he will uh, bestow great rewards on them that go out to work for him. David Livingston, as I've said, he, he was 33 years in Africa and when talked to about the, the great sacrifice that he made, he only had this to say, People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice? Which is simply paid back as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? It is no sacrifice. Rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger, now and then, is a fore, uh, and with the foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All this is nothing compared with the glory which shall hereafter be revealed in us. David Livingston said, I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice he made for us when he left his father's throne on high. You know, believer, God is no man's debtor. God sees every work undertaken in his great name. And though when we go out to spread the gospel, whether the Lord has called you to go out to that foreign field, or whether you're going to spread the gospel in your local town, in your local community, in your workplace, you might suffer loss. You might suffer luxury. But God is no man's debtor. And eternity shall right the wrongs of time. I believe that. There is a crown. There is a prize, Christ speaks here, of he that reapeth receiving wages. Friend, there's a well done. There's a crown. There's everlasting glory to them that do their part in Christ's most beloved work. There's a precious work to be engaged in today. An urgent work, the work of reaching the lost for Christ. Believer, will you go? Will there be any stars in your crown when you go to glory? Will Christ say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Praise God for the Messiah and his mission field. I'll hand back to the Reverend Park.
Let's bow together before the Lord in prayer. Don't want to miss the moment that God has given to us here in the service today. In fact, over the whole weekend, he's been speaking, he's been dealing with hearts, and we know that eternal values are in view, and the souls of men are perishing. And God has spoken to your heart, and you've got to give that, I trust, ready response by his grace to say to him, here am I. Just take a moment to look to him, pray to him now in your heart. Think over the message that you've heard, the reports given, the challenge that you've felt. Spirit of God, <clears throat> thou hast been working in hearts this weekend. Thou hast spoken to us again today. We want to be more like Christ the Messiah the Savior of men. Give to us his compassion, his love, his zeal and energy, his vision, flowing through us. Thou canst use us every day and every hour. Thank thee, Lord, for the man that we heard about this week who professed faith in Christ and all the chains, the, the links in the chain that brought that in the human aspect together. Lord, we pray that you'll multiply this over and over again. Thank you for the, the children that have been converted in our Sunday school. Lord, multiply that among the children. But take our youth, those that know the Lord, and older folks too, send them out, thrust them out, compel them out to the mission field both at home and abroad, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We'll sing two verses of the closing hymn, <coughs> 532, the first and the fourth one. Above thine own ambitions hear, another voice is sounding clear. It's the call of God to thee, O leave thy all and follow me. And when we sing this, we'll pronounce the benediction. And uh, a brother, the preacher today, Reverend Moffat, will go to the door. <laughs> <clears throat> and shake you by the hand. I'll be here if anyone wants to come and speak to us. And God's been dealing with you. We make ourselves available. And Mr. Douglas is here too, uh, well equipped over the year. We look back to the time when we sat in Bible college and he was the principal for all those years. Let's sing of the words as we sing them together.
Father, let the challenge of your word live on. Breathe upon us, breath of God. Do a work for eternity. Help us, Lord, to see the need. Help us to see the great burden that Christ had. And may we sense it ourselves. Help us to realize that nothing is more important than the mission of Christ. Let the mission of Christ become our mission. Help us to see more often through his eyes. And we pray that you will draw young people into the work and help each Christian that is here to serve the Lord just where they are. It may not be in a full-time way, but just where they are. May they go and serve Christ. Dismiss us now with your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen. May be seated. Lord bless you.